Tyler and Kevin Michael Moss. Their story begins eight years ago when they co-founded ConnectU in a Harvard dorm room. That story was immortalized on the silver screen in the movie The Social Network, which I'm sure all of you here watched over and over again. Um, but nowadays, they've got Winklevoss, uh, Winklevoss Capital. Still a little nervous, guys. Bear with me. Um, uh, that they co-founded recently, which is uh, investment fund for early stage startups. Uh, we're going to talk about all of that. Uh, first of all, guys, I want to welcome you for coming all the way out to California and joining us here at Zurb for uh, which is a really big soapbox today. So super excited. Uh, you know, I know uh, there's a lot to cover, and I'm sure the audience has tons of questions, and I want to make sure that they get their chance to do that. So first of all, I kind of want to ask you about your latest venture. Um, after all these years, why go into VC and and what are some of the projects you're currently working on? If you can spill the beans a little bit. Sure. So um, I guess as, uh, we kind of uh, have been rowing professionally for a long time and, and recently retired. And so moved into, we're trying to sort of figure out what we, what our next step was going to be. And I think as in, uh, we kind of were attracted to the position of being angels or investors mm -hmm. because um, A, it allows you to see a ton and sort of learn and, and kind of see a deal flow constantly. Um, and I think also through our journey, we have sort of uh, uh, some experience and, and uh, uh, that we can, I think, impart and lend to people and bestow on the younger, right. younger guys. So um, it se seemed like a good fit for now for us. Um, in terms of like what we're currently working on, um, we've got, we're, we're sort of finishing up with a few d different deals, um, but we kind of don't want to talk about them right, <laughs> right away. Not that it's proprietary, I mean, that, that we, right. we won't talk about them. It's just we're sort of getting our ducks in a row and uh, making sure that everything's in order before we talk. Something that I keep, is it Yodabyte? Is that, is that one of your guys? Um, we have not done anything with them yet, mm -hmm. but uh, they're good friends of ours, and we have definitely looked and we're in conversation with them. So right. um, we, we like what they're doing, and, and there's, it's totally possible. Yeah. Right. And, and in terms of that, are you guys looking to what, cloud? As uh, I think you were quoted as saying it was like the next paradigm. Uh, I think, I mean, everybody, probably, it's probably a pretty obvious statement that there's a ton of activity in that space. Um, we don't sort of focus on any given space, like um, in particular. I think when we're looking at companies, we kind of look towards the team, the entrepreneur, um, and, and what problem they're solving. And if they're pro solving a problem that may very well be a problem for a lot of people and scalable, um, that makes sense. Because when we, I'm sure we'll cover this, um, when we were starting ConnectU, we were just trying to solve a problem in our daily lives. And we figured if we solved that, then it would sort of extend outward. Um, right. And I think that um, I also like entrepreneurs who have sort of levered themselves into what they're doing, whether it's bootstrapping it with their own finances or raising from friends and family around them. Because um, if they can't sort of sell their friends and family on it, then why should they be able to sell me on it? So um, those are some of the criteria we look at. And, and is there anything in particular for you guys that you are looking for in pitches? Because I'm there's probably a dozen <coughs> folks out here that probably have a pitch for you, but what is it that you guys are actually well, looking for? We, so as you can imagine, we got some pretty outlandish pitches. Um, what like are some of those? Okay. Wait, yeah. we gotta, okay. we gotta, uh, you got to quantify that. <laughs> next Facebook killer. Um, gonna, 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 yeah, gonna make Facebook look like peanuts, like or Google look like a lemonade stand. You know, <laughs> just not. Those aren't really credible pitches, you know. Um, 
So it's 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 not and it's not about like it's what you're gonna do, not so much like how big it's gonna be. So uh, we like simplicity and things that are simple that can be understood in one or two sentences. If you can't, you can you should be able, you can still distill Google or Facebook or any of these companies down in you know a couple of sentences. If you can't do that, then it's probably a pie in the sky type thing. And, and, and what, what was, would be an example of a very effective type of pitch like that? Maybe if you were to pick the example. So Yadabyte is basically trying to be the first operating system for the cloud. Mm -hmm. um, I think Microsoft was the first software company where you didn't have to buy a um, hardware all-in-one kind of thing. And I think uh, you know, with the operating system in the cloud, they're trying to solve that problem through software in making the hardware run more efficiently as opposed to just throwing more hardware at it. Um, I think, you know, those type of, you know, when people sort of can explain their angle in one or two sentences, that, that makes sense. Um, digging down deep and figuring out how they actually are making, using the software to make it more efficient, that takes the time and, and you've got to really bring in the, the engineers who understand that space. But um, in one or two sentences, if you can't get up in front of a group of people and they can't grab onto it right away, um, then I think you're, that's your first problem. So. Right. And, and in terms of, of that, where are you guys actively looking for this, for these projects, for these pitches? Uh, and I understand you have a New York office? Or? Yeah, so we just took out um, a space in New York. It's going to be about 5,000 usable square feet. Um, and it's in the Flatiron District, um, so there's a lot of activity. Um, in the tech startup space there. Um, and so that's sort of where we're starting and we're, we may end up doing a West Coast office, um, but it made sense. Um, we're sort of from the Northeast. We've, we have a network there, friends and family. Um, so that's sort of where we started. And I think that there's a need in the city for a home. So part of what we're doing with the office space is it's not just the two of us. We're trying to bring in portfolio companies that we've invested in or we're working with and give them a home while they're going from four to five people to 20 or whatnot. Because the landlords in New York are generally looking for a five-year lease. They don't sort of understand or want to be involved with startups. Um, they and want to know what your credit history is. You know, well, we don't have one. We're a startup. Yeah. What are your financials? Well, we don't have one. And you get assigned for three to five years. And again, you don't know if the company is going to turn into it's going to boom or bust or something in between. And so, and it's also a big headache. Um, it, it takes the, the, the founders away from what they're doing. What they, they have to look at all the spaces and, and they have to burn the precious cash. So um, we're trying to create a home where people can come in um, and sort of grow in it and also um, leverage off the other people in that and create, if you want to call it an ecosystem, that might be a good adjective. Um, so that, that's part of the model, and, and we'll sort of see where it goes from there. Awesome, and can't tell us anything. Um, anything. We're looking at like <laughs> uh, we're looking at a company that's trying to solve uh, sizing for online. Um, you know, when you purchase uh, clothing online, and I think that that is um, an interesting place, especially for New York, because New York is sort of the fashion center. Um, you've got New York and Paris and Milan, but. It's, it's, a, it's sort of a good place to be in. Like, I think startups that um, are trying to solve problems in cities where they're sort of, the industry is really big around it makes a lot of sense because um, there's just all those companies that they're going to be interacting with. So that space, um, a financial technology company, um, uh, potentially a cloud company, 
Um, so it's kind of, there's not really, it's a little scattered, but you know, you, when you find a good company and a good team, uh, we like to bet on the jockey and not the horse. Um, usually the jockey will find, figure it out as they're going, going through the process. Um, so yeah, that's all for now, but if you invite <laughs> us back, we'll, we'll dish. And well, we'll definitely do that. Yeah. I want to hear all the dish, but um, kind of to go backwards in time now a little bit, I, I kind of want to you know, talk about sort of the elephant in the room, Facebook, you know. If we don't get that don't out there, the people, elephant. yeah, you know. <laughs> it's just going to sit there and everyone's going to ask, is he going to ask it? Well, but I kind of want to go back to the early seeds of what was Connect You and how that evolved and, you know, how accurate was the social network in portraying that story? Sure. Um, so with respect to the movie, The Social Network, um, I think, you know, for, it was first and foremost a great piece of entertainment. I think it was a good film. And uh, I think I can say that as, as objectively as, as possible. Um, I also think it should have won Best Picture, but that's uh, <laughs> a different, <laughs> it's a different it's topic. It's like the Citizen Kane of its time, right? Yeah. Who, do you know who beat out Citizen Kane? No, I don't. Who knows <laughs> who beat? Citizen Anybody Kane. in this room? What won Best Picture of the year that Citizen Kane did not? How Green Was My Valley. I th yeah, we think it was that movie, <laughs> which no one. So, numbers. <laughs> so uh, oh wait, King's Speech, what, what was that? Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, <laughs> but I think the, with the film, um, the, the goal, it is a nonfiction film. It's based on true events. There's a tremendous amount of research and um, the filmmakers tried to be very sort of true to the actual fact pattern. Um, but I think that what everybody is, what you need to be sort of aware of is that it, the goal of the film was to tell a story from three different perspectives, similar to a Rashomon, sort of a reconstructing of the crime scene, if you will. And um, as a result, the goal is not to draw a black and white conclusion. It's to create sort of a gray area where you can sort of grab onto any character and defend um, them and support them. And I think uh, there's, there's, you can't sort of draw a definitive conclusion from the movie. And you can do that and stay true to the fact pattern by just sort of not entering in the entire um, level of facts. Like we believe that there's definitely documents and facts out there that make it much, much clearer what happened um, in, in, the, in the actual story. Um, but I don't blame the filmmakers for doing that. They made a good, good movie and the conversation starts as you leave the theater. And um, so all the buzz and the blogs and the editorials um, that, that, that's what the goal is, you know, to create that discussion. Um, but I think to rely solely on the movie as um, the sole kind of authority on what happened during that 18-month period uh, would be mistaken. Yeah. And, and I got to ask this for my friend Jonathan here, but what was it like having the best line in the movie? We're, we're 6'5", 225 pounds, and that's there's cool. two of us. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's, it's on our Twitter bios, or yeah. one of ours. Yeah. <laughs> but, but to kind of take it back to Connect, you, you guys had kind of hinted at that you guys were trying to solve a particular problem. What was your right. approach to that, and how did that product actually develop? Sure. So um, we were trying, so we were getting to, through our junior year, and we felt that um, once at least at Harvard, the way, you know, once you've cho chosen your major, you're kind of locked in this path. And uh, whether, if it's computer science, you're sort of taking class with all the computer science kids. And it's hard to kind of move right or left outside of that path and meet too many other people after you, if you have a sport or some other extracurricular, it, 
you all of a sudden realize that you haven't met that many people in your class, let alone kids above and below you. So all of a sudden you're seeing the end of college like getting closer and closer. And I think, you know, one of the things that I found like really fun and great about the experience was all the people you meet. And so because of geography and time constraints, we did not feel that we were even scraping the surface of all the kids in our class. So we effectively sought out to create a technical solution to a social prom and uh, make, you know, allow our fingers to do the walking on the keyboard. Um, and that was, and so when we started doing that, the only problem was nobody, um, there was no startup culture or ecosystem there at the time. Um, there, there was, uh, it, I mean, everybody was not looking anywhere near that space. It was post-bubble, uh, 99, so a lot of people had gotten burned and pretty much licking their wounds. So our biggest problem was getting talent, but for a different reason, not because um, everybody else was vying for it, but the talent wasn't interested in it. Mm -hmm. So, um, but today it's a completely different problem. Everybody has talent or the talent ha all have startups and they all have funding. So, um, you know, you still have a problem finding talent. It's just for a You're competing reason. against their own startups and their own ideas and whatnot. And um, back then it was trying to find someone who saw the value in not um, doing as well on their computer prom set. I mean, we didn't, we don't want someone to fail out of school, but see sort of the larger picture of um, starting something that could um, be a business and go way beyond college, so. Yeah. And, and for you guys, you, you know, I just have to ask is, what was it like finding out that when you guys hit that, you know, tense point, you know, what was that like? Which tense point? There's a couple. <laughs> <of them>. <laughs> <laughs> well, we well, we found out by reading the newspaper, which mm -hmm. was kind of shocking. I mean, we figured it would come a different way. So, I don't think it was a naivete. Um, it was definitely just you don't expect your fellow students to do that. And I don't know if you guys have seen the the full you know pattern of emails, but um, it was 52 emails in three months, and not you know, a mention of, oh, I can't do this or I'm doing something else. It was like things are coming along really well. So it was like meditated leading on. Um, so we weren't supposed to see it coming, and we didn't. Um, we felt that we'd definitely been wronged, and we, you know, didn't run to the courts immediately. In fact, we didn't even know what that all meant. We, you know, are, we're not from a family of lawyers. Um, in fact, our dad's a self-made guy who's a business guy. So um, we went to the administrative board at Harvard um, based on honesty and stuff and they didn't want to touch it so we tried to meet with the president in the now famous scene. Um, that was actually office hours um, and uh, we waited in line like everyone else and he couldn't see us the first time and then so we went back uh, a month later and he said you know go to the court so that's what we had to do. And was it like it was depicted in that movie? That was, yeah, that was, it was a lot like that. His, <laughs> his, uh, his leg, his feet were up on his desk and he, it was very dismissive and it was, it was odd because, I mean, we were students at the time and we went to him uh, mainly for like a sort of a mentorship and just to sort of say, look, like you might not be able to do anything, but you should be aware that um, we're moving into a, a, a situation, you know, a time where ideas are going to start being passed around. Um, it's not just academic ideas anymore between a student and the professor or this or that. Um, you're dealing with, with a, a new future where kids are coming up with startups and um, the university hasn't really acknowledged or talked about any of this. 
they, they sort of exclusively focus on academic dishonesty. Um, but if you take off the word academic, like, you know, honesty is also important. And um, so it's not no longer, and what might be taken or not might be worth hundreds of millions or billions. Um, and uh, he, he sort of had, seemed to have no time for that whatsoever. An interest, and uh, I think not not too long ago, about a week or two ago, Harvard's now uh, looking into 125 kids who may have uh, cheated or, or you know worked together on a on a take-home exam. So I think it's an issue that needs to be addressed and talked about. I don't know exactly the framework you use to evaluate it, but um, UVA ha really prides itself on their system. It's a student-run honor code, and we've worked with or come across people who went to UVA, and they're their conclusion is that the way he, Mark behaved with us, he would have been out of UVA before he could have even, um, you know, there's just would have been no no debate. Um, it would never have flown. And I think um, anybody that you talk to from that university, they'll they they think that it's a really um, interesting, great thing that they have. So, um, in any event, I think it's a dialogue that that uh, has not happened and needs to happen. So. One last question about that sure. whole time sure. period. And what were we gonna, Mark Zuckerberg, wonderkin or just a crafty businessman? Um, crafty thief? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was trying to say it in a more diplomatic yeah. way. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I think uh, you have to uh, recognize the inherent growth properties of the idea. Um, so now when you're saturated with a billion users, now it's really like, okay, can we lead this? What's the leader going to do? Um, it was pretty much a thing we always felt that was going to grow as long as you kept the servers on and scaling it. And it did, because it's, a, it's viral growth by definition. I think, yeah, I think it, it was something where you just had to keep the electricity on and give it servers. And granted, there, there have been innovations. You know, I, I think that the product has come a long way, and, and you, can't, you can't take that away from the company, the engineers that have put behind it. But the core, uh, nobody sort of uh, tries to pin a, a plague on one person. It's, a, it's got that viral quality and it spreads because of the nature of it. And I think that anybody here who's been on Facebook, who's uploaded a photo, who's made a friend request, you've grown that network. It's the people who built it. Nobody's sitting around looking at Wikipedia and being like, oh, Jimmy Wales, you're such a genius. Like, you created a platform and everybody else then comes in behind and does the work. So um, it's, it's sort of, I mean, granted, like, to go from zero to a billion users is, is great. Um, they obviously didn't screw it up. But I think now is really when you start evaluating the leader and saying, okay, what are you going to do with these billion people? How are you going to harness it? Mm -hmm. How are you going to build a business? Um, and, and so I think that the, it really starts today or three months ago. Um, and that's when a true leader is shown. And, and you have to ask yourself, if you were to take um, Mark and put him in another company, could he lead that company? Um, I think you know, that, that's a question I think a lot of people would say they're not sure. But I think if you took someone like a Jeff Bezos and put him in Facebook, I think he can run that and figure that, that machine out. So um, I think that a lot of people were very quick to sort of ascribe this growth to one individual. Um, and I think that's just not the reality. I think we think it was a team effort. So I mean, he deserves credit. But I think we deserve some too. So that's what we're fighting for. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Get that credit. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you guys have been around since Web 2.0 and, and all of this. I kind of want to get your, also your business perspective on the whole Facebook IPO debacle and 
shares trading less than $19. I mean, is there anyone to blame for that? And, and what are some of the mistakes that other companies that are in the social frame uh, can avoid to when they go to IPO or if they're even considering IPO? I think um, I've got a couple uh, viewpoints. One is that nothing was left on the table for the retail guys and um, everybody else who wanted to be a part of it. And I, I'm not saying that you should just sort of give away um, shares for, for cheap, but you have to, you know, people, people want to, if they were going to participate, you got to make them feel good about it and feel happy. And so if you're doing, whether it's an IPO or financing your next round, if you're totally jamming that valuation where the investors don't have a great opportunity to, to make a return, then maybe they're going to focus on another portfolio company and not go that extra mile to sort of build the relationships and help you out. So I think that there's wisdom in leaving something on the table. They clearly didn't. Um, why they didn't, um, you know, you can make your own conclusion, whether it was, um, you know, trying to get the most out of it, greedy, um, being, poor, you know, short-sighted, whatnot. Um, but clearly people got burned and uh, a lot of people backed off. And until those people get um, comfortable with the stock again, I think it, you have difficulties simply from a fun, you know, a technical aspect of the, this, the float and, and absorbing that. Um, and then with respect to the actual fundamentals of the business, I think that um, you have a situation where mobile was something that I think you could see a year out. And so it's sort of confusing why it's all of a sudden now, oh, well, we have to figure out how to monetize mobile. I think that's, that's an issue. I mean, if you're on that company, you should probably be seeing that coming a year out, two years out, knowing that you're coming up against this sort of cliff of having to go public. And I, I, I mean, I hear a lot of sort of discussion about, oh, well, we're focused on the user experience, the product. And um, anybody who's tried to use the Facebook iPhone app prior to the last release, it, it's unworkable, it. right? So where's this product, you know? And, and so, and I also think that there's no sort of, uh, there's not a lot of talk of trying to build a great business. It's sort of build a great product. I think the two go hand in hand. In order to build a great product, you need to have the resources to plow back into it. And I think that, um, you know, there's no, you know, nobody from Apple would be sort of discouraged to say, yeah, we have a tremendous business. It's very profitable. We've got $100 billion worth of cash in our books. Like, they're proud of that aspect. I don't see Facebook describing themselves as trying to be a tremendous business. And I think that I don't see why you can't have both. And I think that you ultimately need both. Otherwise, someone's going to come across and take your engineers, and they're going to eat your lunch, and uh, the product will suffer as a result. So I think if you're trying to give the net end rest result to the users, you need to be build an amazing business. So. And your thoughts? Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're the same. <laughs> no, uh, they, they floated too much. And it's like the Groucho Marx saying, I don't want to be a member of a club that I can be, get into. So um, scarcity, I think that was a big problem. NASDAQ had issues. Um, so, I mean, hindsight, it's easy to, you know, look back and armchair quarterback it. But, um, you know, who's to blame? I think everyone got caught up in this idea of users equals revenue. And it's not quite the case. So, uh, and anytime someone tells you it's different this time, it's not. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a fundamental game, I right? Mean, the street wants fundamentals, and you're looking at a company that's trading at 30 times, and you're looking at Apple or Google at 10 or 12 with you know real products, real uh, history, history of sort of um, revenue. So, 
I can see why investors are going one way versus the other. And um, so, you know, I think, can they figure it out? Sure, absolutely. Um, it's, not, it's not this huge mystery, but I think that certain things need to be done and uh, people need to get more comfortable with it and it'll probably come back. And the street's not as forgiving as the valley, you know, like the, the rhetoric's got to be, um, you know, pleasing to them. And if they don't hear the hard numbers and that kind of stuff, the, uh, they're less likely to give it that, uh, you know, wide berth that, that uh, <clears throat> you might get if you are pitching a VC, like, oh, revenue will come down the road. Well, Wall Street doesn't want to hear that. And I think they miss sort of um, calculated how much they'd buy into sort of the, the tech um, lingo kind of philosophy of long term. But long term in Wall Street is a couple quarters. And if you don't figure it out, then you're guilty to proven innocence. So, you know, Amazon had a rough beginning. Um, and, you know, Facebook is certainly, I think they, everyone, you know, me included, thought it would be a little bit different. Um, but so it's easy to always look back and say, oh, this person doesn't point fingers. I, I'm more concerned or more interested in, in how they're going to move forward and, you know, whether they have the right governance structure, um, the right team in place to do that. And, you know, they're going to get a lot of at-bats because they have the user base. It's just the question is, you know, are they going to hit that home run? Right, and and it's it's almost as if they have to. They actually really have to start planning months in advance. And well, I mean, no, in, in, like, in yeah. athletics, like nobody, you know, you train for the games at least four years out, but there's probably a decade of work before that. You know exactly where you're going and where you're trying to go, and you you can't. I mean, there's no such thing as being caught like flat-footed and and poor preparation. So, uh, this is something that needed to be looked at a year or two years. I mean, how can you not see it going mobile, right? It, I mean, the writing's on well, the wall, they, it's everywhere. The, right? the S1 filing was all about mobile. Um, they were even saying it's going mobile, but it didn't seem like they were preparing either. So I think it's a little bit of a dilemma, too, with the governance, because uh, Saddam Hussein thought he had weapons of mass destruction, right? That's the only way to rationally explain why he would put up such a fight and let not let the inspectors but, in. Yeah, I mean right. that, that's that was one theory that like a journalist we, we talked to said. So why did Saddam Hussein put up such a big fight? Mm -hmm. If he didn't have them, let people come in and then go about your business being a dictator. And he put up this <laughs> this, this big fight, and he we know we all know what happened. Um, and one very rational explanation is that he believed that he had them because his lieutenants were telling him he had them because he told them to have them and they never did the job, so it would have been off with their head instead of off with his head. And so it's like the emperor has no clothes. The, you know, if you don't have the governance and the structure in place and the people who can challenge you and, and give the hard questions, um, and, and if you're not doing the job, kick you out, um, right. I think you ultimately, uh, that hurts the company. For so sure. it's a little bit of a, a dictator dilemma, and I think that, you know, again, that's, that's um, you don't really, you're, you're not, yeah, you're not getting necessarily the right feedback, and I think um, investors are going to be hesitant about that structure. I don't know if we'll see it again, you know. I, I want to make sure the audience uh, gets their questions, sure. so I'm going to ask one last question. How does it feel to be pop culture icons? Movie animated <laughs> on The Simpsons? I mean, it's sort of, I guess, like, people a lot of times ask us, what does it feel like to be a twin, and I'm like, I don't know. I've been a twin my whole life. Like, I can't compare. But um, it's look. It's just something that happened, um, and uh, I guess we're in some ways flattered that people thought that the story was interesting enough to to make a film out of and go and, and see and pay money to actually see the story. Um, but 
there's a lot of great stories out there that will never be on the screen that are just as impressive or fascinating. Um, so we don't really take any credit for the actual film or, or all of that. That It's just sort of uh, something that happened. Um, we embrace it. We, we believe that the film is true. Uh, we believe our characters are presented in a pretty positive light. Um, I, you know, I don't know that we're exact carbon copies of those people, um, but but it is what it is, and I think um, for better or worse, we're in that realm, and um, we're okay with it. I mean, we started, uh, we set out to start a website in 2002. We would never have predicted <laughs> it would have gone this way. It did. Uh, we'll take it in stride. It's it's been exciting, and uh, you know, again, we're flattered and that people are interested in the story, and and we're uh, excited to start our next chapter. Awesome, awesome. Thank you very much, and I want to. Pitch it to the audience. I, I see a lot of hands going up. Yours is first, and then we'll get to you next. Um, just kind of a question about you know how you'll handle your investment. Um, I guess you know how it how it unfolds. So are, are entrepreneurs pitching both you? Is it a twofer? Is it a team decision? Will you both be on all the boards, or are you going to kind of divide and conquer, or just kind of go? go I think a little bit of divide and conquer. Um, I think on higher level things, we'll, we both are sort of. A, a kept you know, up to date on um, what the other is doing, but it, we've sort of determined that it makes more sense um, for us not to sort of uh, overlap skill sets in one given place. I think we can cover a lot more ground. Um, so that's sort of where we're leaning towards right now. I mean, <clears throat> we're both, uh, in terms of like cutting a check, we're both equal and in agreement, but then we're more into not just funding, but also company building. So. We'll probably take on less projects and try and throw our muscle behind it. And it just doesn't make sense for, you know, it's better to divide and conquer in that sense where Cameron might put a little more time, roll sleeves up in one company, and I might in another. So, but in terms of like, you know, whether we agree it's worth either one of our times or money, um, that's pretty much a, a, you know, unanimous decision. Mr. Hunter. Okay. Um, can you, I, I don't know who you know on the investment Or maybe phrased another way, who, who on the investment side do you see as kind of um, portraying the ideals that you would have hoped to see in an investor in a startup environment? I think that, uh, I mean, there's definitely guys out there with, with you know, the reputations um, obviously vary considerably, and I don't really want to talk about people that I don't think have good reputations, sure. but um, I think that a guy, like I've heard very great things about Fred Wilson at Union Square Ventures. Um, I have not worked with him. To be honest, we haven't done a lot of sort of, uh, we haven't met a lot of people in the actual VC space yet because we've been more meeting with entrepreneurs and investors, but I think that what I do see is a lot of entrepreneurs are, are much more interested in angel funding, at least initially. Um, they're very concerned about um, owner's terms from VCs. And then the reality is a lot of VCs don't have, they're not looking at, they're looking for much larger checks to cut. Um, so I, I probably don't, I'm probably not the best person to ask on who, who the VCs out there that are, that are really good to work with. But the, the data points come up a lot, so I think that 
reputations do build. Like we have, we've heard certain things about certain people, but I, I wouldn't say anything yeah. without knowing them and dealing with them. But um, you know, but you see patterns. Your situation, you didn't take away. Hey, you know. I mean, shitty as this might have been for me. Put it this way, right? These guys were pretty put it this way. Uh, if I were an investor in Facebook. Um, there would have never been a movie because the movie was a result of this long fight that they should have, yeah. we should have put to bed a long time ago. And there was sort of an obstinance and I think uh, some sort of, someone was, I, I, I think most of the MVCs and people I talked to said, I just don't understand why this isn't something that they've, they've wanted to settle and get put, put behind them way before. And it became such a focal point of the business later on, um, like years and years after. It was the really movie came out in 2010. Yeah. Business had already been out for six years. That's something that, you know, if they had dealt with the parties ourselves and Eduardo Severin um, early on right away, which I think pretty much everybody would tell you that's how to deal with it, there would be no movie, there'd be no distraction, and it would all be about the business and going forward. And um, I think uh, you know the movie came about through Eduardo being disgruntled and having that falling out, and them not you know working with him to find some equitable resolution. So um, that's the one thing I would say is I don't know why the VCs weren't sort of um, they or they weren't advising him in that direction. But then that goes back to perhaps the dictator's dilemma. So <laughs> I want to get someone in the back, you sir, and. So um, that's a great question, um, and I'm not just saying that. Um, I, I really do believe that there's a tremendous crossover between athletics, and, um, and the themes are very universal. And one of the sayings that I really like that I've heard coming out of the Harvard Boathouse was, everything I learned in life, I learned at the Boathouse, and it had nothing to do with rowing. And what we see is the way in which we appro uh, approach sport and what it taught us, um, they're just, you, you just change the names, you change it from a sport to a company or startup, and it's the same stuff, um, the same value set. So um, it's probably, I mean, we were involved with rowing for so long that it's sort of a part of us. Um, but I think that you don't have to be at the Olympic level to get that out of a given sport or um, uh, I think people, I've talked to people who rode for, or done any sport for that matter, for um, a semester in high school or, or whatnot. And what you take away from that and the work and the, the planning and the dedication, all that stuff is very similar. Um, everybody's been on a good team or, or a bad team, um, whether it's on the, the athletic field or in the startup world. And, and you realize how important that is. And um, if you play golf with someone and they're kicking their ball out, and you know, not being honest with their score, like how do you think they act like in the business world? So it's the same. Um, the themes are very universal, and also it's impossible for me to not talk about. Sorry, go no. ahead. <laughs> Just there's um, no guarantee of success, right? So you train for a year at least or two, and you might fall short. Um, there's teamwork, your ability to take criticism, coachability. Um, we really felt that rowing was such a microcosm for the world around us, and there's no way I could have done it for almost 15 years if I really didn't see it in everywhere I looked outside of rowing. And so I think that um, it's also the intensity. When you're in a race and you're at a 200 beats a minute, you've got a guy, everyone's counting each other, you see how people react in split-second decisions that determine a year's worth of work, maybe four years' worth of work. 
right? Yeah. So um, it's, it's kind of like a battle-tested ground, at least in the sport of rowing and a lot of others. And it's just also that accountability, that day in, day out, how people handle pressure. We just felt like, you know, we were totally equipped to, you know, get back into anything because of it. Do you have mentors who you're tapping as you're transitioning into investing? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have like good, like good friends who are older, experienced, and or have different experiences, and and definitely. I mean, I think it's really important to, whenever we see something that we like, you know, what what? How hard is it to fire off five different emails to five people and just get like a beat on what they think? And that's just like basic due diligence. And some people you just value a lot more either what you know what they say, what they've done. Um, or just, you know, you just really think they have a great, they're great, you know, soundboard. So we totally uh, leverage our real life social networks and I uh, think it's really important to, you know, A, just getting more information. I mean, there's, there's a theory, um, if you have like your loose ties are also um, not quite just as much like you as your close ties. So Cameron and I, we see a lot of the same things, but maybe if I, you know, shoot an email to you every, one, every month or something and we're just acquaintances, um, I get a totally different perspective. So it's important to not just rely on your, your close ties and your close friendships, but also people who are completely out of your element and in different spheres because what they'll see is completely different. Their perspective will be different. So kind of like make sure you also you know, take that into account. Uh, no, but for different reasons. <laughs> Actually, early, yes, but I think, um, I think that it's, it's a content business and you have to stay on top of what's, what's hot and it's tough. You know? I mean, you see that in, in, the, in the entertainment world all the time. People put together a movie, they think you know, there's a pretty built-in fan base and it's going to explode at the box office and it goes nowhere. It's, it's, I think it's hard to call those things, but in terms of a business being built on the platform, absolutely not. I mean, I think that they, uh, you know, if it's a good company, um, I think that the reality is, is that many companies use that platform um, and are built around it. So, um, but I'm a little skeptical of being too much on top of it. I understand people using Facebook Connect and, and, and using it uh, for certain advantages, but having all your eggs in one basket, um, that's just your, they have a lot of leverage over you and your business and your outcome. I like to control the variables as much as I could. So, and if you can't convince a person to sign up, if, 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 it, if they're not, compelled enough where the only way you're going to get them is sort of pressing that one button or, or, you know, you see a lot of companies trying to sort of trick or spam people into it, then, I, then you know, you have to ask yourself, is the company good? Um, I think the, the most compelling companies, people are very willing to register and put in their own information for. So. Okay. This is a maybe a weird question, but you guys are don't think it's the wrong way. Very similar. <laughs> uh, you went to school together. You're both Olympic. We're growers. cyborgs. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm just. I'm kind of curious. Two two small things. One of them is how have you guys managed to do so many of the things together for so long? Right. Like it, it seems like at a certain point you just be like, you know what? I hate your face. Yeah. We have those points. So Cameron's left the M righty. Okay. So right. uh, <laughs> that, that's a starting point. Um, we really feel like we're very different, and um, people who know us say that he's a little bit more 
creative, uh, goofy type. I'm a little more logical, um, you know, more likely to have my shirt tucked in kind of type. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So we definitely feel that we totally bring different things to the table. We might listen to a song, and I might say I really like that, and he's, he doesn't. Um, the important things we're similar on, but, you know, we spent a lot of time rowing because there's one national team. We were on one team. Like, we had to. I mean, there's guys I spent the same amount of time who weren't related to me just because it's a small, um, you know, the track is very narrow if you, want, if you keep going to that level. Um, so I think that we, you know, we do feel there's a lot of differences, and we're going to, we, we're not like you know only doing the same thing together like we're going to do divide and conquer type strategies just to build greater experiences and deal flow that you know brings back more um, you know more of a positive uh, end, end goal so um, yeah that's that's how I deal with it or how, how I look at it but Um, you know, I think certainly there's there's elements of the startup that you know you do miss, but there's also a lot of uh, there's a lot of pressure and and things that you have to do with the startup that you don't necessarily want to do, like tax returns and counting and all that boring stuff. And so the kind of the nice thing about investing is you can sort of focus on the fun sp stuff. Um, and I think if you have a couple like different companies and you get to have, still wear multiple hats, but sort of focus on what you really like and find fun. But that being said, I mean, I totally could see an opportunity or a company coming along where we say, okay, now I'm dropping the investment role and I want to just do this full time. Um, but we're not there yet. We haven't sort of been pulled in that direction. But I wouldn't be surprised if we're back in that seat at some point. <laughs> I suppose we could follow on from your questions, but I was going to say, you were talking about you having this office space in, in New York, and um, my experience running a startup and being based in Europe is that anyone who's an American investor really wants you to be in America. I mean, are you giving startups options of not being in your space if they're going to be on your portfolio? Or are you saying, like, I mean, I don't know, my experience is that it's not always that good for innovation if you're, you know, always being, if your investors being there and there or whatever, but like, are you giving... Sure. No, it's, it's totally up to them. In fact, it's usually the pulls coming from their side. They, they're out of a coffee shop, or they, and they want to start building some sort of culture and solidarity in, in a space. And, I, you know, we, we don't believe in being down people's necks, and hopefully they get the feeling that if they're there, we're not going to be those kind of guys. I know how that can be um, just in many other aspects of my life, like whether it's a coach that's just too much on you. It's like, look, look, come on, just like, let's go do our thing. Um, so there's no requirement to, to, to do that. It's, it's just a benefit of, of our dollars might, you know, we, we bring that and, and some, somewhere to go if you, if you don't have that. But not at all. In fact, we hope that, um, you know, you, it's a stepping stone to growing out to your own space eventually. Very good. That was all the time we had, unfortunately. Uh -huh.
please uh, give a warm applause for our guests. Tyler, not Taylor, Winklevoss, and Karen Winklevoss. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. Sweet this. Ready? Cool. Look like you're having fun. <laughs>